0: civil discourse across the political divide. It's spring here in the heart of the heartland, Des Moines, Iowa. I'm Ed Fallon, your host. Before we talk about today's program, I want to thank a couple of our local business partners. Uh, Thanks to Gateway Marketing Cafe. That's my locally owned full-service grocery store serving the greater Des Moines metro. Gateway's Cafe is open seven days a week for lunch and supper and for breakfast and brunch on the weekends. You can either dine in or order takeout. Gateway also has a great catering service. That's Gateway Market and Cafe. Thanks also to Architecture by Synthesis, where Mark Klipscham offers planning, design, and design-build services for high-performance, low-maintenance homes and buildings. Architecture by Synthesis specializes in environmentally-friendly designs, including highly insulated structures made from grain bins. That's Architecture by Synthesis. All right, later in the program, we'll be talking with author Janet Clark, the author of Blind Faith, about clergy abuse in the Catholic Church. Not a fun topic, but it needs to be talked about. We'll also be talking with uh, David Osterberg, the senior researcher at Common Good Iowa, about how it was interesting that the, uh, the blame for the electric grid collapse in Texas was placed on the uh, doorstep of the wind industry. Interesting. We'll talk with David about that. We'll also talk with uh, Mark Clipsham about light pollution, And finally, we'll talk with Kathy Burns of Birds and Bees Urban Farm about uh, your larder and how it's holding out (laughs) this winter as we begin to move into spring. But right now, I'm really happy to welcome uh, a longtime acquaintance and friend of mine to the program, Nancy Sue B. Bond. Uh, She's a Des Moines resident. She's also a Trump voter. uh, And she even voted for me, I believe, at one point. Yes, I did. Wow. That's diversity, me and Trump. And in a nutshell, uh, what are your reasons? You supported Trump in 2016 and 2020, correct?
1: I did vote for Trump in 2016. Mine was a not-for-Hillary vote. Um, And I did vote for him in 2020. That was a true Trump vote.
0: Your vote in 2016 was mostly an anti-Hillary Clinton vote, not so much a pro-Trump vote? Correct, correct. But in 2020, it was a little different? Correct. Okay. So what was it about Trump uh, that he accomplished in his four years as president that made you more excited about his candidacy in 2020?
1: Um, The more the media went after him and did his sound bites, um, it just didn't make sense. It wasn't logical. So I kind of started doing my own research on, okay, find the video of the whole video, the whole story, the whole conversation, not just what the media was giving me, and from that, then I got to actually hear Trump and what he had to say, um, can, can and I an was e- kind of impressed.
0: Can you give me an example?
1: Um, there's well, the very first one I think that that I bit was when he was saying something about another country being
0: an um, s-hole country.
1: Something like that's that. Yeah,
0: that's as far as we can go on an FCC-regulated station. So good. Okay,
1: there you go. <laughs> so I kind of looked into that, and at first time I heard it, it was like what the media said. He he actually said is like, no, the president wouldn't do that. And I listened to it. And it's like he was saying that it was the conditions. If you listen to the whole thing in the context it was, he was saying how it was the conditions that people were living in, and it was. I just couldn't believe that the media had made it that he was talking about the people. And then even went over and interviewed the leader of the country and, you know, and said, hey, our president said this about you guys. And just really turned it into something that wasn't. Hmm. And that's when I first started, okay, what's up? And so- I listened to it and he's, he was correct. He, the places, the conditions were not healthy. You know, we, it wasn't a good environment for people to live in. So that's what started it. And then the more the media went after him, the more it was like, wow. And, you know, the the joke right now is he may not have drained the swamp, but we sure can see to the bottom of it.
0: <laughs> and what do you see down on the bottom of, of the swamp? Not
1: good. It's not good. It really isn't. Um, and it's not just the Trump, you know, wow, you're pro-Trump, you're just saying that. It's every American should be looking at this to how— we are being kind of swayed one way or the other from outside sources
0: by it's, outside it's by outside sources you mean outside the us or outside of our own self outside your
1: own brain <laughs> it's okay. kind of you know well um for listen. me personally i want to be heard i want men to take or women or anybody to say what i have to say and listen hear me which you do we've talked about this um not because I'm dismissed because I'm a lady. I mean, I would li- I think I have a viable information. I would like to discuss it. Wouldn't, not be called names but discuss like it.
0: Like some would say that uh, that the Democratic Party does a better job at elevating women's voices than the Republican Party.
1: Um I would say it wasn't a party thing. I would say it really when they say women aren't heard in all businesses and everything you have to kind of you have to earn respect it's not automatically given Um, and I've kind of fought hopefully with with what I've said and be reliable on what I have to say I'm not just making things up and throwing things out there to get attention or whatnot or drama I hate drama Um, and I've kind of seen that with all of a sudden women's lives matter type thing the pink hats and everything they rose to more, uh, higher rankings. And now I just see drama. I just. So you are, know, you, are you
0: saying you supported the initial effort that was embodied in the women's marches to elevate the. the not
1: the way it was done. No, okay. because there was rioting in that. Rioting? Rioting. Sorry.
0: I don't remember the rioting.
1: There was some rioting on the side of it. Yeah.
0: Okay. I'm that's, that's more. news to me. Um, Hey, but let's, let's move on though. Uh, so were there any Democrats running for president in 2020 that you could have supported if they'd won the primary?
1: Well, that's Pete, you know. Pete, what judge. Pete, I could have, because, you know, people say, well, you're not, that's not you. And it's like, I don't look at, I look at a person's ability. I don't want to see a person get a position because of something. I want them to get the position because they're good at it.
0: And what was good about Pete?
1: He, um... He just had a knowledge to him, a thirst of learning. Um, he was very knowledgeable. There's a lot of things that he talked about. I couldn't tell you, for example, but it was just like, oh boy, if he ran against Trump, you know trump would have Trump would have a good a good run for his money Let
0: me, let me ask you this. Uh, trump is making noise as if he might run for president again in 2024. Would you support him?:
1: I have to see what he does over the next four years. okay. He does have a, a weak spot, um, like is? most people do. What's Luckily, the weak spot? it's his thumbs, you know, oh. versus a pen. That's another joke going around. You know? So
0: now, now that now Twitter president has been. With a
1: president uh, with thumbs versus a president, president
0: with a pen. Okay, now, now that he's booted off Twitter, is that going to help him at all? <laughs> It'll disable I think his thumbs.
1: It, it will help him. I remember when Grassley started using Twitter, and you're limited to how much you can say. So you can only use so many words and whatnot.
0: I remember when Grassley uh, lit himself on fire raking leaves while tweeting. Um, <laughs> <laughs> sorry. Well let me ask you uh, uh a bunch of questions that are really right. they're really just kind of yes or no questions. The amount of money spent on political campaigns is obscene. correct. The average person pays too much in taxes. Yes antitrust laws intended to prevent monopolies are weak or non-existent
1: <laughs> or they're 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 uh, bypassable So
0: that was the yes yes <laughs> yeah, right. yes the federal government has grown too big and intrusive. yes more power needs to stay with local governments instead of state or federal
1: governments. I like the state level governments because we are individual states by the United States so, um, yes, I like the state level and the local level.
0: Okay. Mm-hmm. Governments spend too much on taxpayer handouts to corporations?
1: Yes, and <laughs> that's, a, that's a big oops. As a Republican, you just said that, yes. <laughs>
0: uh, the, the, the corporate-owned mainstream media's focus is to preserve the status quo.
1: Status quo as in whatever is popular at the time, not true news, yes.
0: Supporting local business is better than spending money at chains or Amazon? Absolutely. I prefer to buy food from local and organic sources. Yes. The First Amendment and our freedom of speech is being eroded. Yes. Individuals and governments must do more to address climate change.
1: Um, you and I, this is where we differ. Uh, climate change, <clears throat> define climate change. Pollution, yes. Well, Nan- Climate change to me, is natural.
0: Well, Nancy, uh, what I just read you are eleven things that I really believe strongly in, and you and I are, are of the same opinion on ten of them. Does that make you yes. nervous? Does that make you nervous? No. <laughs>
1: no,
2: because there, it's
1: so funny because it's, it's, we all have the same thing, but we're coming at it at different directions. Hmm. That's all it is. We're all pretty much alike, but we're just coming in at different directions. Well. um... And you're and you're you and I agree upon isn't you're not a typical Democrat in my eyes. (laughs) You're not what I have encountered um, when I'm on the the Internet and whatnot and friends that are Democratic
0: Hmm.
1: when same thing.
0: I think that's a compliment. Thank you.
1: You know, you're so close to be a Republican. I'm surprised you're not. Oh, come Anyway, on. I was just going to say
0: you're so close to being a Democrat. I'm surprised you're
3: not. You're,
1: Cuz you you believe in smaller, you believe in sustainable, you believe in gardening. And the thrill of being able to produce yourself, and the and the um, excitement it it brings when you can work with your hands and, that's, and, that's, and do
0: it—that's more human than uh, than any trade you'd associate with with a political party, correct?
1: But that's what this Republican is. It's it's being able to. If all of a sudden, you know, they came along tomorrow and started taxing, oh, you can't grow your own food because there's dogs could pee on it. And if dogs peed on it because it's not in a contained environment, you could get this chemical and that, you know, or this disease and that disease and E. coli and everything else. Because, oh, and you can't sell it because it's not produced by someone who knows what they're doing. Maybe we should ban dogs. (laughs) You know what I'm saying? It's that it's the... I think I know what I'm doing here. It's the over-governing. Let me tell you, being a working mom and being a stay-at-home mom, I can tell you hands down, that a stay-at-home mom was a much harder job than shoving them off to daycare and going to work and keeping my
0: house I,
3: clean when I was gone. I have no right? doubt. <laughs> I have no doubt.
0: I have no doubt. Yeah.
1: Oh, man, that is the hardest job. My hat goes out to every mother, every father, or whoever decides to be – it's not sitting home and doing bonbons every day, let me tell you. Yeah. They they have my heart. Yes. And for some reason, it was oh, – you're just a stay-at-home mom. Yeah. Oh, no, I, oh I, so you I, don't work. I, I agree.
0: But, right. I totally right. agree Right. And you. the
1: same thing with like dirty jobs. It's the same thing. Oh, you don't work in an office. You pick garbage up for the city of Des Moines. You, yeah. You bet you. I bet do yeah. t- pick those up because if I don't, your yard's gonna be smelling.
0: Yeah. The rats you are gonna. Know? The rats are gonna have a field day.
1: It's that really, <laughs> um, you know that that stigma that that we can't be happy unless we're somehow. This certain social class or having this certain jobs or, or making so, this certain amount of money. That stigma, Des Moines has done a really good job of saying, just let the people be people. Yeah. Meet them where they're at. You know, if they're happy, what's wrong with that? Why is that illegal to be happy?
0: So let me, uh, let me, and, uh, let me wrap it up with uh, going back to climate change. How about that derecho? So, that was pretty uh, unusual.
1: That was pretty cool, yeah.
0: Pretty cool? <laughs> nah. That's pretty cool.
1: Well, <laughs> Tornadoes are cool. Well, they
0: are <laughs> they're cool. They're, if really they're cool if they're going to. Like you don't
1: be, really agree with the disasters they cause, yeah. but
0: they're cool. Although it's exciting to see whether uh, dramatic weather, sure, but only if it's in somebody else's uh, uh, cornfield or an empty field and not taking out buildings. What about this statement? The oceans are immeasurably and dramatically warmer.
1: There we have garbage. That's where it's pollution. To me, it's pollution. We have a pollution problem.
0: The pollution, the what what type we of pollution? We have
1: plastics in our ocean that should not be there. Yeah, a lot of it. And we don't know if that's causing the oceans to, to, like, sun can't get through the plastic, and therefore it's not heating the where it's supposed to be heating. It's blocking the sunlight, so that's causing the instability insta- of the oceans. We don't know if the plastic is absorbing the sunlight and using it. To reflect, we don't know, but that plastic is not supposed to be there.
0: Yeah, so you have a connection to fame. At least maybe it's just me, but uh, but <laughs> okay. I, I for for the past thirty-five years, I've been enamored by a headline in a in a small town newspaper uh, <laughs> north <laughs> yes. of Des Moines. There's a town in Worth County. There's a town called Fertile, and there's another town in Worth County named Manley, and the headline was.
1: The Manly Man
0: Marries a Fertile Woman. woman. And I've always thought that was an hilarious headline. And now I've discovered that you have a connection to the couple that is being referenced in that story.
1: Correct. Um, The Manly Man was my uncle, Alvin's Barbie. And he he was real manly. And he married my aunt. Her name was Helen, but everybody called her Dolly. Helen Suby from Fertile Iowa. The Manly Man Marries the Fertile Woman.
0: That's a pretty cool story, uh, and I'm surprised that um, I'm surprised that there's only been one such headline.
1: Actually, yeah, is like what 500. I think it was the, the most people that ever lived there was 500. Population of 500. I mean, you're talking a very, very small. Yeah. Both of them are very, very small towns. Yeah. yeah. But yeah, yeah.
0: Anyway, Nancy, uh, uh, thank you so much for joining us. I really appreciate you taking the time to visit. Folks have been talking with Nancy Subibon a Des Moines resident and also a Trump voter and uh, someone who uh, thinks passionately about a lot of the same things that you and I think about. Nancy, thank you for joining us.
1: No problem. Thanks for having me. Appreciate
0: it. When we come back, folks, uh, author Janet Clark is going to join us. We're going to discuss her book, Blind Faith. I'm also going to discuss my close call with uh, abuse by Catholic clergy when I was a kid. Back in a minute on the Fallon Forum. (music) Gateway Marketing Cafe is your locally owned grocery and specialty food store. Enjoy chef-crafted prepared foods, artisan baked goods, organic produce, hand-cut meats, local and international cheeses, wines and craft beer. Catering and floral services are also available. The cafe is open for carry out and delivery daily. Gateway Market is centrally located at ML King Parkway and Woodland Ave. Stop by or visit gatewaymarket.com for more details. Gateway Market, good food, great community. Architecture by Synthesis provides planning, design, and design build services for high performance, no maintenance, affordable homes and buildings. They've been doing this work for over 30 years on a wide variety of project types, specializing in super-insulated structures made from, wait for it, grain bins. Yep, with the right experience, tools, and creativity, so much is possible. View images of projects and learn more at architecturebysynthesis.com. That's Architecture by Our nonprofit partners, thanks to Bold Iowa, building rural urban coalitions to address climate change, to prevent the abuse of eminent domain, and to protect Iowa's soil, air, and water. You can learn more at boldiowa.com. Thanks also to Birds and Bees Urban Farm, offering classes on how to turn your yard into dinner. You can get more information about classes and workshops at birdsbeesurbanfarm.org. All right, welcome back to the program, and joining us now is Janet Clark. Hello, Janet. Welcome to the program.
4: Hi, Ed. How are you?
0: Good. Janet is an author. She lives in the Quad Cities. And um, we're going to discuss her book, Blind Faith, about abuse in the Catholic Church. Um, but, Janet, I think I'm going to start it off by just, you know, I mean, I, I grew up Catholic, 12 years of Catholic school. And uh, I grew up in Saugus, Massachusetts, and I was relieved to learn after I'd already moved off to college, that of the two churches in Saugus, Massachusetts, I was at the one where the priest wasn't abusing children. In fact, this particular priest, uh, John Gregan, abused 150 kids. Oh, no. 150 kids. Oh. Yeah. Yeah,
4: his name is very well known.
0: Well, because he was the one who was eventually sent to prison and was killed by another inmate who had also himself yep. been a victim of abuse and molestation?
4: Yes, I actually got a letter from that man. My my good friend Judy, who uh, was sexually abused very severely in the Catholic Church and otherwise, uh, she befriended the young man, and I can't remember his name now. But the man who killed Gagin. Uh
0: John John and, Druse. Uh, John Druse,
4: John. Yeah, and she hmm. she um, mailed him back and forth, and. She um, understood that he had been—it seemed to have been that he was set up to kill Gagan because they were put in a situation together where they were alone together. Everybody knew John had been severely abused, and this will be very triggering. But he did kill Gagan, and then he was put in solitary for a long time. It was really Mm. incredibly cruel. And Judy encouraged—she encouraged me to correspond with him. I ended up not doing it, but I did get one letter from him, and I feel really— uh, a lot of compassion for that man and what he yeah. went through and what he was
0: put through in his life. Well, and you know, I, and I think of all that. I mean, 150 children abused by this one priest, and that was not only at his placement in the at the Blessed Sacrament uh, Parish in Saugus, Massachusetts, but I mean, they, and again, they just kept moving him around from one place to the other. And and it reminded me when I was reading this story in a in a local paper just today, actually, I was reminded of your book. And how similar it sounded to the situation. I mean, your 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 book is not about an actual person, but it might as well be. It's so precise about the experience that, that that just it's so tragic. How many young men were subjected to this, and to what extent the church is willing to go to cover it up?
4: Yes, and young women. I, and I young women. Yes, true. By and uh, many other many other girls too. Um, like the bishop out in Los Angeles said, Mahoney. Um, previous bishop, he said, of uh, one priest. Well, it was girls, so he didn't think it mattered.
0: Oh gosh! I mean, that's, that's that was so really horrible. the attitude, yeah. you know. So, what what inspired you to write this book?
4: Um, well, I would always wanted to write a book. Um, at the time I wrote it, I was writing for some publications in Fort Dodge. I was writing for the Today Magazine and the Fort Dodge Business Review. So, I but I really wanted to write a book. I'd always wanted to write a book, and. Um, I just decided that um, now is the time to do it. And I kind of felt led to this particular subject. And, you know, I really, I really, um, I no longer really claim a specific religion, but I do certainly believe in God. And I I prayed from every step of the journey. And I felt this was the book I was led to write.
0: Well, and and it's a, And it was timely. It was published in two thousand. I think it's still very relevant because I, I mean, my impression is the church has not yet done a great job at coming clean, at at, at following through on, on, on restoration, on 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 reconciliation. I mean, my, that's my impression that it still has a ways to go. Oh yeah,
4: that's definitely the truth. Um, just two years ago, or a little over two years ago, in Fort Dodge, they placed a priest. At the nursing home, which was across the street from the grade school, and he was a priest that the diocese had known, had abused about 50 boys. And, Mm, you know, they'd never dealt with it until someone found out. Yeah. And here he was put in the nursing home, right, where the kids would come and visit, you know, bring... Did he commit any more crimes after that?
0: Did he commit any more crimes?
4: After what? After
0: he was placed in the nursing home? Um, not as far as I know. Mm, yeah, uh, it just, that's,
4: that's kind of the tragedy too. Most of the time, victims don't come out for a long,
0: long time. Oh, yeah. It's so humiliating, and that I mean that's that's what that's what struck me about your book is you really lay out the struggles that this young boy went through to try to deal with the fact that he was he knew this was wrong, but the priest kept telling him, "Hey, I'm the priest. I'm God's representative on earth here. I know what I'm doing. This is okay, and don't tell anybody." You know, I I mean, that's got to be the story of so many victims of of clerical abuse.
4: I'm glad I got that out of the book because I I did feel like, you know, uh, my main character, Jack, he was just, you know, he he had this incredible burden and he um, didn't want anybody to know about it. But he would have such emotions that he didn't understand such anger and rage Mm -hmm. and uh, pain and he tried to keep a lid on it, but it kept popping out in ways that he couldn't really control. I mean, this, this I'm glad that I'm glad that
0: you got that. This monster of a priest, that uh, John Gagan, the, the 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 priest from the from Massachusetts who abused 150 kids, you know, and again a bunch of them in the town that I grew up with. That town, relatively small town, 22,000 people when I lived there. I had to have known boys, and maybe girls, who were abused by this priest. I mean, it's, it's again. It's a fairly small town. Two Catholic churches. I was at the other one, you know, but just by just just by virtue of good fortune, I guess. But I had to have known some of these kids, and I'm not surprised yeah, that I yeah, didn't. Absolutely. I'm I'm really not surprised that I knew nothing about uh, about their stories because again, it is so. It, you just don't want to talk about it, and that's that's how these that's how these monsters got away with their abuse.
4: That's right. That's right. That's exactly how they get away with it. And you said 150, Ed, but let's just keep in mind that's 150 that we know.
0: That we know of, right, yeah.
4: But now, I mean, it could very well be sure. 10 times that number.
0: Sure. Now, um, as your, your book had any—again, I mean, it was written in 2007, so you came—this book was published shortly after the Boston Globe initially broke the, uh, the scandal— uh, the scandal that I think uh-huh. a lot of people knew about for many, many decades, but nobody was willing to really confront the church on it. But have you had any pushback from the church because of your book?
4: Uh, a little bit. Um, I've had, I guess I've had more kindness than pushback. I had a nun actually review it, Sister Priscilla, Priscilla Stork. I've lost track of her, but um, she is one of the people who gave me a very positive review and said it should be read by every. Um, priest, bishop, parent, grandparent. Um, and she came, I did a book event at River Lights, the bookstore in Dubuque, and she and two other nuns came. Um, Father, Father Hitch, I believe I mentioned him in my... Yes, you do. Yes. uh, Mm -hmm. He's from Tipton, Iowa, and he was very, very helpful and kind. Um, Mm. but yeah, there was pushback. I I had, uh, you know, a couple of people just, I, I've got an email saying I was going to hell. And I got somebody stalked me on Facebook, and then
0: figured out my email and told me I was
4: going to hell. I got a death threat. You have to get
0: a death threat these days. Of course, yeah, yeah. But and you you haven't been you haven't been canceled yet, though.
4: I haven't been canceled. Well, I've been. I think there's been some definitely been some shunning, but that's
0: okay. So why 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 were you uh, why was it suggested that you should be going to hell for writing this book?
4: Well, there is uh, a rule in the Catholic Church. I don't know if it's pushed nowadays, but I, I believe it's an official rule that if you speak bad about the clergy, you can be excommunicated. Right, and that, and, and isn't and then, that part isn't that
0: part of the problem right there? <laughs> you know?
3: right? That's right. that's, so,
0: that's um, the whole. Oh, that 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 like that makes so much sense right there. Yeah, okay. And you had even a, you, you even know, had a, you even had a death threat.
4: I even had a death threat. Well, yep. I right. had a death threat.
0: Well, congratulations, I guess. I mean, I think if you...
4: Thank you. <laughs> I made it. <laughs> well, again, the
0: book, with the book where...
4: I'm, I'm sure you've had a few too. <laughs> oh, yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I, have, I have a folder called Memorable Letters, and that's where I put letters like that anyway. <laughs> so we're talking to Janet Clark, folks. Janet is a is an Iowan and the author of Blind Faith, a book about the abuse of uh, children by the Catholic clergy. And uh, again, it's I, I just finished reading it. I won't have I, I won't have everybody who writes a book on my show, but if, but I if if it's a really timely, important, and well thought out message, I'm gonna, I'm going to say yeah, let's uh, let's come and talk about this. And I do highly recommend folks that you check out the book. It's Blind Faith, and you can um, learn more about it. Uh, I guess the best way is to contact Janet on Facebook. Correct? Yeah, uh, I have
4: Blind Faith by Janet Clark. Or you can contact or
0: you can contact me, and I'll be happy to put you in touch with her. Okay, so again. Uh, thank you for that, Janet. Thank you for joining us. Any more books in the works?
4: Um, I've got an idea kind of rumbling around in my head, but I haven't haven't gotten too far with it yet.
0: Okay. Well, I better not ask any more questions. Right. Right. <laughs> better not to talk about it. <laughs> All right. Hey, thanks for thanks for joining us, Janet. I really appreciate it. Uh, folks, when we come thank back, you, when we come back, David Osterberg is going to join us to talk about the Texas energy grid collapse, uh, which was originally, initially blamed on wind turbines. Apparently that ain't the case. We'll talk with David about that when we come back from a break on the Fallon Forum. Gateway Marketing Cafe is your locally owned grocery and specialty food store. Enjoy chef-crafted prepared foods, artisan baked goods, organic produce, hand-cut meats, local and international cheeses, wines, and craft beer. Catering and floral services are also available. The cafe is open for carryout and delivery daily. Gateway Market is centrally located at ML King Parkway and Woodland Ave. Stop by or visit gatewaymarket.com for more details. Gateway Market: good food, great community. Noche is the premier home in Des Moines for jazz and cabaret. With its prime downtown location, Noche attracts both national acts and local favorites, including Max Wellman, Gina Gettler, and Tina Haas-Finley. Every Wednesday night, you can enjoy the progressive sounds of one of America's longest-running jazz orchestras, the Des Moines Big Band. Noche also offers a world-class cocktail bar and serves a variety of small plates. Noche on Walnut Street, south of the Sculpture Park in downtown Des Moines. Broadcasting from Des Moines, Iowa, the heart of America's heartland. Thanks to our business partners, including Story County Veterinary Clinic, where Dr. Kim Holding has been caring for all creatures, great and small, for over 30 years. Learn more at Story County Veterinary Clinic's Facebook page, or just give Kim Holding a call at 515-232-8766. That's 515-232-8766. Okay, so Texas... Well, don't mess with Texas, but it looks like Texas has quite a mess on its hands. And of course, no sooner had the uh, polar vortex decimated the power grid in Texas than the brilliant operatives of the fossil fuel industry came up with an explanation as to who was the culprit. And no, it wasn't them. And no, it wasn't even the weather. It wasn't even climate change. It was windmills. And here to help us process this and to move beyond that into a more reasonable conversation is... David Osterberg, David, thank you for joining us. Uh, happy to be reasonable. <laughs> well, well, that that remains to be seen. <laughs> <laughs> now, you're you're, uh, you're currently the senior researcher at Common Good Iowa. Uh,
5: yes, I am.
0: And Common Good Focus? It's a, it's
5: a we've we've merged. Uh, back in 2001, I started something called Iowa Policy Project, and uh, then stopped running it when Mike Owen. Uh, wanted to take over, and I wanted to do less. And now we merged with um, a group set up by uh, a state senator, Charlie Bruner. Charlie and I were good friends, and so we we had all, always cooperated, and now we're cooperating any, even more since we've merged.
0: Very good. And I know, I know before, prior to that you were a state lawmaker for 12 years, I believe, and you also ran for the U.S. Senate against Charles Grassley. And lost primarily.
5: Yeah, I, I lost that election. Maybe people don't realize that. Yeah. But yeah. Well, primarily
0: you lost because he was <laughs> able to paint you as a as an academician educated in socialist Sweden. If I remember the soundbite.
5: Socialist Sweden. Exactly. Because we
0: don't want educated people serving in the U.S. Senate. No. <laughs> Certainly not educated in other countries where they might pick up something interesting or useful. Anyway, I digress. Wind turbines being blamed for the collapse of the power grid in Texas after the polar vortex. We've heard enough by now to understand that this was entirely um, not the the case, that there were other places where the blame should stand. And um, why don't we talk through that first before we look into long-term solutions involving conservation and energy efficiency. So David, what really caused the power grid collapse? In Texas. Well, when, uh,
5: when the governor was uh, announcing that the wind turbines freezing up w- was the problem, he also said, and that was 10 percent of our system. I mean, he already told everybody that this was not the problem. The problem was the other 90 percent. And um, it was lines freezing and not getting gas to the gas-fired power plants, which dominate in Texas. And, you know, you could fix that. You could fix the wind turbines or you can fix the gas plants. All you have to do is bury uh, the gas lines a little deeper. And that's what they do. I mean, you have gas-powered power plants up in northern Minnesota, and they make sure that they're deep enough uh, in, and so they get their supply. They also make sure they have backup uh, with uh, petroleum so they could run those things. There, there, are, there are many ways of handling this. Texas just decided to go cheap. So he decided is it, if we put in, uh, don't have to do all this stuff; it'll be cheaper, and then uh, our people who are trying to make money make
0: more money. So is it possible that we can say, okay, Texas really should not have known better because that polar vortex was unprecedented in terms. I mean, there, I, I don't know if it actually broke every record, but gee, it sure came. If it didn't, it came close. And at any rate. It's not something you normally expect to see in Texas, especially... That's right,
5: except they're all clim- Abbott's also a climate denier saying this could not happen. So you, you can't have it both ways. If you know that there is climate change, you ought to respond. You can't just say, oh, dear, we could never have expected this, because you are going to have to learn to expect a whole lot of things, like California burning up like uh, Iowa having floods that it had never seen before in Cedar Rapids in uh, in 2008. You have to begin to understand that our infrastructure may be inadequate because of climate change.
0: So is there any indication that Texas might be rethinking its opposition to more uh, intelligent redesigns to accommodate these kinds of conditions? No, they'll just go blame somebody. I (laughs) mean— (laughs)
5: <laughs> That's really the, why. Why do something when you can go blame somebody and then get off scot-free? But they didn't but yeah, get away that, with
0: it. They didn't get away with it. They tried to blame wind turbines, and it kind of it it pushed. I mean, is there anybody out there who's still buying that? There's been
5: well, uh, that again, I and mean, I mean the whole and you know this whole thing. You just tell one lie, and then you tell it again, and you tell it again. There's still a whole bunch of people who think Biden isn't the real president, right? There is a lot of stuff that goes on there that is just continuing a, a series of lies. Wait, so,
0: wait! Joe Biden I, is president. I,
5: I, <laughs> <it's> right. <laughs> That's right. According to any, anybody who who reads, yeah. yeah. All
0: right. So uh, I mean, we we all know that uh, that even I, even people I'm talking to who who aren't thoroughly on board with our level of climate action understand that fossil fuels are a renewable are a non-renewable resource and there's a limited supply left and that we need to be moving into renewable alternatives or many people also support nuclear. But what I don't hear a lot of conversation about is the importance of conservation and greater yeah. energy efficiency. And unfortunately, states like Iowa have been moving backwards in that fight.
5: They certainly have. No, I'm, I'm- Brian Campbell, the the new person who runs the Iowa Environmental Council, and I had an op-ed in the, in the Quad Cities, or, or in the Waterloo Courier, Waterloo Cedar Falls Courier, where we said that. Yeah, we, we talked first of all about the idiocy of the governor and then talked about how it is very possible. I mean, our wind turbines continue to work just fine when you have pretty cold temperatures. But you really have to think first of all, about not using so much, and that's conservation. That's the first thing. And so what we looked at is uh, you need to – we know that the new administration in D.C. is going to push infrastructure. That infrastructure ought to include water, we now, we now find out uh, because of Texas. It also ought to in, include this transition to a new energy this, uh, a, a production system solar, wind, and then some electrical storage that you can easily do to make sure that those wind turbines, in fact, if they freeze up, there'd still be a battery storage to put put electricity on the line. But what we said, besides all that, you got to conserve. And that's where a bunch of investment ought to go on. And that's what Iowa used to do pretty well. And then in 2017... Um, Alliant Energy mainly was an uh, instigator of uh, destroying that program. But the,
0: Yeah, and the big utilities don't want us to conserve because they make money when they sell product, and their product is power, and the more power we consume, the more money they, they make. So their interest is, is not at all aligned with conservation or energy efficiency.
5: That's right. Assuming they can get it to us. And that's the other point you have to make.
0: Generally,
5: when something happens and you have a a blackout or you don't have electricity, it isn't because the the solar panels went down or even with the gas plant not producing. It's a line went down. And so when we had the derecho here in eastern Iowa,
0: which was really
5: serious, uh, I lost power for five days. No power plant that I know of. Well, uh, Dwayne Arnold, but no other power plant went down. That wasn't the problem. The problem was getting it here, and that you solve with conservation. Yeah, kind of. You you make it less bad because you
0: have conservation. In some ways, doesn't this come down to an issue of, of money and politics? Because yeah, I, I mean it's the the utility companies know how to invest in very fine-looking lobbyists. They know how to invest in campaign donations. They they know how to push um, money into inaugurations and other activities that, that sit well with people in high positions of power in state government. And so isn't that part of the problem that they're, they're, they're using their money to continually push for policies that are not in the interest of the consumer or the planet?
5: Yeah, and it's a little beyond that, one step beyond that, because Realize utility companies, except in Texas. <laughs> utility companies in most places are, are, are entities that have the public interest at heart. That's our assumption. Consequently, they become monopolies. And if they're monopolies, you, you don't want a company to be a monopoly because it will do whatever it wants to, to you, the customer. So you regulate it. We have a 3 person panel in Iowa, the Iowa Utilities Board, made up of Democrats and Republicans, because it must be. Uh, it has to have both parties um, involved. And what that does is make sure that utilities don't simply do what is in their own personal interest. But what the legislature did, and what they've been doing it so often, they went around the IUB to change the energy efficiency law in Iowa. In a negative and one way. thing they did yeah. is get rid of about 60% of the low income weatherization that used to exist in this
0: state. And that was pushed by the utility companies and supported it was by legislation? Mainly say, so.
5: Alliant. Yeah. It was, Alliant was the big yeah. pusher behind it. But I mean, the legislators themselves had to pass it. Right. And, uh, but they passed it. Okay.
0: Again, money and politics, a big problem. David, i got to run to a break. Um, I want to thank you for joining us. Uh, folks have been talking with David Osterberg. He is the uh, Senior Policy uh, Director at uh, Common Good Iowa. David, thank you for joining us. Betcha, you, Ed. When we come back from a break, folks, we're going to continue talking about energy. We're going to talk about lights. And question, why so much lights? Why so often? Mark Clipsham is going to join us for that conversation here on the Fallon Forum. Gateway Marketing Cafe is your locally owned grocery and specialty food store. Enjoy chef-crafted prepared foods, artisan baked goods, organic produce, hand-cut meats, local and international cheeses, wines, and craft beer. Catering and floral services are also available. The cafe is open for carryout and delivery daily. Gateway Market is centrally located at ML King Parkway and Woodland Ave. Stop by or visit gatewaymarket.com for more details. Gateway Market, good food, great community.
3: At Story County Veterinary Clinic, Dr. Kim Holding has over 30 years of experience working with all creatures great and small. Cat, dog, horse, cow, elephant, Well, if you've got an elephant, you may be in trouble. Kim's clients stick with her year after year because they know she'll do right by them and their pets and farm animals. So give Dr. Kim Holding a shout to keep your animals happy and healthy. Call 515-232-8766.
0: Hey folks, I'm still here. This is Ed Fallon. Welcome back to the Fallon Forum. Welcome to Iowa. It's springtime almost in Iowa. And we deserve a little spring after that polar vortex. Anyway, we're coming to you from the heart of America's heartland, Des Moines, Iowa. And thanks to the local businesses and nonprofits who helped make this program possible, including Noche Jazz and Cabaret, which features both national acts and local favorites, including Max Wellman, Gina Gettler, and Tina Haas-Findley. Noche also has a cocktail bar and serves a variety of small plates. Check out Noche Jazz and Cabaret. All right, so we were just talking to David Osterberg about conservation energy efficiency. Joining me now is Mark Clipsham. Mark, welcome to the program. How are you doing, Ed? And I know you are a huge fan of conservation, wise energy use. I know that you take old grain bins and make them into incredibly beautiful and functional homes. Impressive. Usually, I
2: prefer to use new ones. Well, okay. (laughs) Using old ones is romantic, but the logistics of it are, are, uh, shall we say, prohibitive.
0: Ah, gotcha. All right, anyway, so you and I are both very deeply concerned about conservation, and you brought to my attention the other day something that I had not been thinking about, but when you brought it up, it it reminded me of some stories in my own universe. Light pollution. There There are a heck of a lot of lights on, all the time. And I often think, you know, well, the argument is safety. These lights protect our car lot from people coming in and stealing our automobiles, or these lights on the street are necessary to prevent people from being hurt after dark by bad people. So that would be
2: safety and security, which it's the lighting at night is sold as. I'm going to make an analogy because I think the whole universe is analogous. It's like when, uh, the packing plant has, you know, nobody cooks with lard anymore. Well, what do you do with all that fat? You know, and what do you do with the chicken wings nobody used to like? Well, you market them as something neat, almost cultural. You're know, like, oh, the bacon culture. It's like, no, it's fat. It's fat for you. But what do you do with it if you don't sell it? Well, you got to throw it away. That costs money too. Well, wow, I know. Let's make it cool and neat. So people will not only, not only do we not have to throw it away, we can actually charge a premium price for it.
0: And how does, how does, how does bacon fat relate to lights?
2: Well, it's excess capacity. Ah. It's production that can't all be used. So you got to find something to do with it. So you're not taking a loss and actually, and actually paying money, you know, to deal with it. So if I can turn it into a profit thing or at least a break even, a miles ahead
0: so I have no trouble believing that the utility industry is greedy um, <laughs> <laughs> that, 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 that's, that's not fun. an e- that's not an easy e- that's, that's, that's not a very hard uh, step to climb but the um, why would they what, what do they have to gain by selling power at a time when nobody really needs it
2: well, this, this isn't even greed it, it's part of an equation it's an econ- economic equation you know it's like I got stuff I got a balance sheet uh, rather than throw it away if I can sell it fantastic. So there, there's times you know it's uh, three o'clock in the morning in May you know and it's 65 degrees and we're in Iowa the heat's not on the air conditioning's not on nobody's using any lights nobody's washing any clothes but there's not a rheostat on a power plant uh, maybe a little bit but it's certainly not that kind of responsive you know you got it's like this great big dinosaur. You know, and it's either on or it off. It might be resting, but it still takes all of that energy to be there, just just to be there. Okay. So, 3 o'clock in the morning, I've got all this capacity. I've got no users. Well, wait a second. Hey, I know. Uh, For example, I'm on a rural electric co-op. So, what do they have? They have dusk to dawn lighting. There's no switch on these lights. Fixtures. So when you talk and about some of the,
0: some of the big light, the huge um, bright lights that are at farmsteads across the rural countryside.
2: Well, that that as well as just your typical residential uh, rural. I mean, I, I literally can look out of my my house in any direction and see lights. I, I I see it as litter kind of across the the horizon. It's like someone threw garbage out of their window. Uh, if you got to have a light could you please get a shield on it so I don't have to enjoy your light 5 miles away. But most of um, most of the
0: most of those lights are on individual properties and it's up to the landowner to turn it on to to install it or decide they decide whether to use it or not, correct?
2: Correct. The power company gives incentive in the uh, guys, the method of making it very affordable, uh, putting it in. I think there's a maintenance agreement with that kind of stuff. But once again, it just goes on at at dusk and it comes or turns off at dawn. And, you know, maybe people are outside till 10 or 11 o'clock, but gosh, I'd sure like to see the Milky Way in its glory and in that these lights aren't being used. Anybody knows, a little kid knows, you leave a room, you turn the light off.
0: Right, yeah.
2: So it just tells you how cheap and how desperate, quote-unquote desperate, the companies are to get, quote-unquote, some use out of this, whatever it has. Like I said, the car lot, you know, 3 o'clock in the morning. To my mind, if I was a security agency or a police station, you know, I, I hear him looking out and I'm like, oh, these lights are on over at Bob's car lot. Someone must be over there because those lights are on a motion sensor as opposed to being on all the time and just not knowing because that's just the way it always is.
0: Yeah, but it seems like if you really want concerned about security, uh, using a motion detector would be a, a better way to go than having a light that's on constantly.
2: Yeah, in fact, when I do uh, like lake homes and things like that, I happen to be a designer, I say, don't put the yard light in your driveway. All that does is provide lighting for the burglars to load their truck. They know when you're home and when you're not better Put it on a motion sensor and have it light up a light in the upper bedroom and one of those fakie dog barking things, and then they go, wait a second, this is weird. I don't like this. Let's go somewhere
0: else.
2: (laughs) Uh, I said the lights are on all the time. That's normal.
0: Right. So yeah, we have a a, we have a we have a motion light out back, and uh, it 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 alerts us to when there is a possum heading toward our chicken coop. So.
2: Well, that too, but you know, and pigs do need to play cheesy at three o'clock in the morning sometimes. So they, you know, get the urge, and they got to do that. So the lights there Did, for
0: that. Didn't know that. Okay, didn't know that about pigs. Hey, but let me let me tell you the story there, Mark. We have these um, historic lights in Sherman Hill. It's an interesting mm-hmm. situation because you know the city city tax dollars, meaning our local tra- local tax dollars through the city, pay for the typical gooseneck lamps you'll see along the streets, but the um, the uh, historic people in the neighborhood, I don't mean old people, I mean people who like historic uh, designations, decided to purchase these lights and they, they, they were able to purchase them by taxing everybody in the neighborhood. They were able to institute a what's called a SMID and they got this SMID established, got some tax revenue, bought all these historic lamps. And um, from our point of view as homeowners with one of these lamps directly in front of our, of our, of our residents, they are garish. They're blinding. I mean, the, uh, the lamp is, is crazy bright. We decided we'd have, um, well, we, we did this for a couple reasons. My mom gave us some, mer- some uh, morning glory seeds, and we thought, wouldn't it be beautiful to plant my mom's morning glory seeds? Where should we plant them where they can climb? Oh, look at that, that, 15, <laughs> that 15-foot lamppost. We'll plant them there. And so they, we didn't know how they'd do. they would do went They went all the way to the top. They covered the lamp. It was beautiful. Everybody who walked by said, oh, those flowers are just gorgeous. Everybody except... The people who were behind the whole light thing in the in the first place, and they were arguing that uh, that the uh, the lamps were going to cause people to be raped and murdered, uh, and that we we were actually endangering the public security.
2: Um. Oh, you mean you like the Trump thing with with the Mexicans coming over the border? Got it. Yeah, fear is pretty powerful. Yeah. Uh, um, so the way they did it in uh, excuse me, I won't mention the name of the city. But uh, they replaced the lighting along a, what I call franchise boulevard, with historical fixtures. Uh, unfortunately, that whole strip development is, what, maybe 90s up to current? So historical. Fi- that was the only way they could get away, get around the dark sky uh, uh, thing. is it, like, oh, well, they're historical, so they're okay. It's like, well, yeah, but you're putting them in an area that has is not that age at all.
0: You know, it's, it seems like with the, with the growing concern about climate change and the need for conservation and efficiency, uh, it seems like we're at a perfect moment in, in our history where we can have a conversation about, okay, how do we balance genuine security and concern about safety at night with real energy needs and the value and beauty of having a night sky that you can actually see the Milky Way? I think we're ready for well, that. I'm, I'm sorry.
2: And, and, and technology has changed. Um, It it used to be that, yeah, streetlights had to be on all the time because you had uh, high intensity discharge, HID fixtures that had to warm up, you know, and they also had a power draw, initial surge. Well, now you have LEDs. They're instantaneous on and off. They pull very much less energy, but with the amount of lumens they've got out these days, they still pull energy. Um, That's taking resilience out of the system if you've got energy designated for parking lots and street lighting and all this kind of stuff that doesn't really need to be there, first off, it's light pollution. Secondly, couldn't we use that energy for disassociating water into hydrogen and oxygen or pumping water uphill or some of the really bigger buildings? Uh, What they do in the summertime is at night when energy rates are low because there's no need, they freeze big chunks of water into ice and then they use that to cool their building the next day when rates are high.
0: Yeah. Huh. So, Mark, I've got to, I've got to run to a break. Um, okay. Folks, have been talking with Mark Clipsham. He's an architect. Uh, his, his, uh, his business is Architecture by Synthesis. And he's uh, always got something enlightening uh, to share about topics such <laughs> as light pollution. Anyway, Mark, uh, thank you so much for joining us. My pleasure. When we come back, folks, uh, the question is, what's in your larder? As we begin looking uh, at the coming of spring, winter is uh, almost behind us, and we think it's important to start talking about how we shift from what we've got in our pantry to what we're going to be putting in our garden. Kathy Burns with Birds and Bees Urban Farms is going to join us for that conversation back in a minute on the Fallon Forum. Gateway Marketing Cafe is your locally owned grocery and specialty food store. Enjoy chef-crafted prepared foods, artisan baked goods, organic produce, hand-cut meats, local and international cheeses, wines and craft beer. Catering and floral services are also available. The cafe is open for carryout and delivery daily. Gateway Market is centrally located at ML King Parkway and Woodland Ave. Stop by or visit gatewaymarket.com for more details. Gateway Market, good food, great community.
3: Across the Des Moines metro, Ritual Cafe is known for its excellent fair trade coffee and fair trade tea. Ritual Cafe also serves breakfast and lunch and offers an entirely vegetarian menu. This unique venue is also known for its live music and displays of local artwork on the walls. Located on 13th Street between Locust and Grand in downtown Des Moines, Ritual Cafe is open six days a week. Make Ritual Cafe a daily part of your ritual.
0: Informed. This is Ed Found your host. We're broadcasting from Des Moines, Iowa, the heart of America's Heartland. Thanks to our business partners and others who help make this program possible. Thanks to our anchor sponsor, Gateway Marketing Cafe. That's my grocery store locally owned in the heart of Des Moines. Gateways Cafe is open seven days a week for lunch and supper and on weekends for breakfast and brunch. There's dining seating, there's also the takeout service. And Gateway also has an excellent catering program. That's Gateway Market and Cafe. All right, welcoming uh, Kathy Burns to the program. As we always do on this fifth segment of the show, we're going to be talking about garden stuff as always. Kathy, how are you today?
3: I'm good. And um, happy March. You just had a birthday.
0: <laughs> I did, yes.
3: <laughs> happy birthday.
0: Thank you. Um, <laughs> they don't mean as much when you're 63 as they did when you were 36.
3: Sure, they or, do. They mean more. <laughs> well, They
0: mean more. Okay. So, Bigger's better,
3: right? Bigger number? Sure, right. Uh, Speaking of bigger and better, uh, you may have a lot of produce that you harvested last year. Tons and tons of it left in your pantry, in your freezer. Not sure, but uh, we want to talk about if that is the case, give you some ideas. During New Year's time, I decided that a resolution for me would be to waste less, therefore want less. (laughs) And we did a show about that. Right now, we've got various items in the freezer, and we're getting creative using them up. What's been your favorite creative way to use up stuff?
0: Turnips. (laughs) (laughs) We have so many turnips, and we've been finding incredible, I mean, most of you, but I mean, I, I added them to a wheat loaf. That turned out pretty good. Added uh, kind a kind of bit delicious. of moist moistness to it. Mm-hmm. I also added them. I also included them in a uh, in a roast with, um, with apples and uh, garlic and potatoes. That was pretty good.
3: Very. But you've good. done.
0: You've gone crazy, think, creative with turnips.
3: I think the favorite was to add grated turnips to an orange cake and it yeah. was so good yeah. it didn't impart a lot of flavor but you add nutrient and fiber and you make cake great again because it's healthy yeah. it's and we healthy. also have
0: turnip greens and then greens. loads of other greens in the freezer i mean we're right. still we've been using a lot of greens but we're still laden laden with them Can through the that?
3: winter it feels good to eat something green well um ideas If you are in the boat that we are with a lot of greens, let's just talk about that to start with. Um, You know, collards, turnip tops, kale. My favorite thing to do with the kale, and we we blanch and freeze ours. This is so simple, is just to make a kale and orange salad. You just have to bring your kale out while it's frozen, give it a little chop, let it fall halfway out. Add a few orange uh, pieces, you know, chunks of orange that you've cut up. Make a citrus vinaigrette. Top it with some toasted almonds. That is delicious, and you feel like you've just, you know, put your big toe into the, into the ocean of summer for a little bit. <laughs> it feels really it, it,
0: I, good. It, it is very good. My favorite thing to do with kale, however, is to saute it with some uh, garlic and maybe a few onions and peppers mm. and some herbs. And uh, that can be used a lot, a lot of ways. One of my favorite ways to use that is in omelets. So mm,
3: That's really, yeah, um, we have it for one meal, maybe in the evening and then the next morning. But we I have omelets you know, for I, breakfast.
0: I find you have to really think, you, you can't, you have to shift your thinking from what am I going to do at the grocery store today to what am I going to take from the freezer, the pantry, the, 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 the shelf that has all the jars and cans on it. What are we going to use from those sources to, mm-hmm. you know, to focus our meal around today?
3: If you froze and saved cabbage, for instance, some people do the fermenting, and we don't get into that. But if you have a lot of cabbage, um, try it in a a curry. That might be a flavor that you're not making all the time. You know, maybe you are, but if you haven't tried it in a curry, that's delicious because then you can also use your frozen peppers and onions, and if you can get some tomato or um, coconut juice to add to that. Or with St.
0: Patrick's Day coming up, but you could boil it with uh, with uh, well, I, I mean, I, in, in, in Ireland they boil it with a type of a salted shoulder bacon, which we don't even have in this country. But you could boil it, have corned beef, mm-hmm. a big ma- a big mess of potatoes, and really uh, celebrate uh, the Irish uh, holiday in a much better much better form than just getting you know getting crazy drunk
3: and drinking green beer <laughs> and
0: drinking green beer, which nobody does in Ireland that I know of.
3: And you can't color Guinness <laughs> green anyway, so that's a moot point. Um, squash. We just had uh, some uh, some of our Hubbard squash that we, I say, slaughtered a couple of weeks ago. We, we, um, we did cut it up and roast it or bake it, and uh, we have a lot of squash in the freezer still. So
0: Five quarts from that yeah. one squash. That's over a gallon.
3: Rather than yeah. just eating it as a side dish, which is always good with a little butter, brown sugar... Um, maybe some cinnamon or uh, cardamom mm-hmm. and uh, salt and pepper. Try it in your pancakes. Yeah. Try it in a cake. Try it in all kinds of things. Just just throw it in, in, into other ingredients. One it's really reason it's
0: really important to be intentional about uh, you know emptying your freezer. Uh, emptying your jars, using your tomato sauce, applesauce, whatever else you've got canned, pickles, is because you'll need those soon. Yes. You know, I mean we, we reuse uh, you know again we don't we try to avoid plastic as much as possible, but we do use plastic freezer bags. But we reuse them year after year.
3: We do. We're very careful with them.
0: And we try to save like if there's a bag that's marked cabbage 2018. We'll try to save that as cabbage for 2019, 20 and 21. Let's just cross off the number. Uh, <laughs> it makes it easier to, uh, to manage the bag. But, uh, but, yeah, you'll need those, um, those uh, storage units um, you know, pretty soon.
3: Right. Um, we're going through our s- basement storage with the canning. We have, still have a lot of tomato sauce. We're almost out of marinara, but we have a lot of tomato sauce left.
0: Of course, okay. we did have a crazy thing happen where someone <laughs> got into our basement. Um, a, a woman who was very mentally disturbed, um, but not dangerous, uh, but she got into our basement. And took a jar of marinara, and opened it and poured it over two artichoke plants.
3: She said she was helping. (laughs) She said she was working and helping, and she even said she was protecting us. So bless her heart. um, We, you know, folks are taking care of her, and we hope that she just, you know, feels all right more of the time than not.
0: That, and I would, yeah, I'm sorry to have seen the uh, jar of marinara wasted. That was sad. (laughs) Hey, thanks for joining us today, Kathy. And thanks for tuning in today, folks. Uh, thanks to our guests, um, to our production squad of Sherry Herdina and Kathy Burns. Thanks to the local businesses that make this program possible, uh, Gateway Marketing Cafe, Architecture by Synthesis, Story County Veterinary Clinic, Noche Jazz and Cabaret, and Ritual Cafe. And again, you can always uh, uh, listen to the podcast on the Fallon Forum website, but you know, subscribe on Apple Podcasts or Stitcher. And check out the program on various radio stations around the country. Again, this is Ed Fallon, your host, thanking you for joining the Fallon Forum.